Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into the podcast version of Local Love. Local Love is also a live show every Tuesday, 9 p.m. Pacific time at echoplexmedia.com slash live. You can also join our chat room at discord.me slash echoplex. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration.
Radical Love. We do the show live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Pacific and beyond into red light. Go to our website, echoplexmedia.com, to find out more about all of our goings-on. We're going to get right to it. I have Dan, the proprietor of the Art Boutique, with me. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. How you doing tonight? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. <clears throat> so, uh, bef- I have the uh, web page up for uh, Art Boutique here, and I'm going to bring it up on the screen. Um, while while that's up on the screen, can you tell, just like a thirty thousand foot view of what Art Boutique is and how you uh, came to be the proprietor of such a place? Well, <laughs> it's a much bigger view than that, I guess. I'm, I'm glad I made myself a drink. Um, Cheers. So the, the 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 basics of it is is Art Boutique is. Is a is a venue. It's a music venue. It is also a comic book store, um, and it sprung forth from the roots, my particular roots of, of owning a comic book store and then publishing comic books. Um, and when we were located in another space uh, in downtown, and when the recession uh, in two thousand eight hit, we uh, I dialed back a lot of my operation. Was going to leave the spot, but um, my landlord at the time made me a really sweet deal to stay because he knew he wasn't going to be able to find another, uh, another tenant. So, uh, I stayed, but then I ended up with all this extra space and, you know, I was letting, I was letting, you know, like basically high school bands, and you know, my friends come in and play. And then we put on a, like a show or I let someone put on a show. And then the next thing I know, people are calling me and saying like, how do I book a show? at your spot, which didn't even have a name at the time. And so at that same moment, we were fixing up the front to be an art gallery so we could be part of the, the art walk. Um, and I made up the name Art Boutique. And so I decided, well, we'll just gonna make live music part of this whole deal. So it was an art gallery, it was a comic book store, it was a comic book publishing company. It was uh, sort, of a, sort of a venue, an all ages venue. So it all just sprung forth. It wasn't like, any part of any grand plan. Um, you know, it wasn't until we got kicked out of that building cause they tore it down. Oh, that, I thought there uh, was going to be a more fun story than that. Nope. They tore it down. Uh, <laughs> was that your fault? Know, it, was really, I, it was not my fault. I, when I moved in, I spent 13 years total, only two and a half were we doing live music. But I spent 13 years total in that space. And when I moved in, the guy told me, he was like, I, he gave me a five year lease. He was like, but I'm, I'm not, going to give you an option to extend we'll extend year by year um because eventually we want to tear this down and build an office building i'm like yeah right so whatever and but they he came to me one day and was like yep it's happening you gotta go well there you have it so um and then we found the space that we were in in ray street now and i wasn't even continue doing live music and i found that space i'm like this could be a pretty awesome space if we fix it up right. So let's see what happens if we do it on purpose. So that's that's kind of uh, that's kind of the, uh, the the sort of the entire view of the whole thing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't know the story. I've only, I've only know you by face and to uh, give you money for a beer in the past. So <laughs> and yep. you guys you guys yep. stock great beer there. By the way, I, I I hate it when I go to a place and the beer sucks. So. I like saw the fridge. I was like, yes, this is my spot. I played Sweet High Out because I think the first time I went to your spot was one of their shows at uh, Art Boutique, the one on race. I don't remember what the theme of the show is. I think maybe Periscope played with them. And I was just like 
super impressed. Like the first thing I noticed when I went in there is that someone in there is like me because the sound in there is fucking pristine. Yeah. That's, that's sort of our thing. Um, it was, there's a lot that goes into trying to do something like this. And, um, you, you mentioned the beer, right? So we had to work with, we work against the disadvantages that we have. So we, we, we weren't going to be a full bar. We weren't going to be a bar. We're not going to be open until two in the morning. It's not a night spot. It's not downtown. We can have beer, but because of the sort of requirements for putting beer on tap, very complicated and expensive. So we only have bottled and canned beer, but my decision basically is like for that, for the beer, then we've got to have a really good selection and it's got to be local or at least Northern California beer for the most part. And you can still buy Coors Light if that's what floats your boat. Um, or well, I mean, if, you, if you grab a banger at another bars that's from Colorado and it's available, you might grab, pick that up too. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. So, um, and with the quality of the sound again, you know, we had not a lot of advantages uh, in terms of like people needed to have a reason to come other than just come and hanging out and drinking. Cause they can do that anywhere and, and, um, or, or what have you. And so everybody that works in the spot, um, led by my son, who's sort of the lead sound man, um, you know, he took it upon ourselves. Like this place needs to sound, it needs to sound great because we need we want to be able to program a wide variety of music. It's not just, throwing a lot of people in there and turning it all up to 11 to a group of people that don't care. People who come to our spot, a pre, they don't even know how much they appreciate the quality of the sound there until they've been in it. And then it's like, like yourself, it's like, Oh man, this is, this is good. I had one uh, performer's father come to me after her show and said, I've never been able to hear her sing, you know, like I've heard her sing, but I've never been able to hear her. And it's because the guys behind the board and the way the whole room is set up and they invested a ton of money in insulating the place and, and, you know, making sure it was as dead as, as it could be so that we could control the sound and it wasn't just all echo and stuff slamming off of hard surfaces and stuff like that. So a lot went into it because we, that's the product is what's on that stage. So it's gotta be good. So you, you mentioned some of the challenges with, you know, it seems like you have a commitment to being an all ages venue and maybe we'll start there. What, I mean, I know that doing any kind of business where you serve food and alcohol is a huge pain in the ass, uh, in general, because I have a few friends who are restauranteur restaurateurs mm -hmm. and I've yeah. definitely heard it from them about, uh, you know, how tough a business it is, but then you add like the element of music and, or entertainment and all ages and like what, what kind of, what, what were like some unexpected challenges you, you faced doing that maybe with the city of San Jose with, I don't know, with entities that you had to deal with as a you know function of doing your business? Well, you know, I actually, I, I found it very easy, uh, in a lot of ways. It's like, I mean, there are a lot of, I mean, when you set yourself up to, to do a certain thing a certain way, right. It's like, if you're going to be a place and you're going to go in and you're saying, I'm going to be open until two in the morning and serve hard liquor, then people are going to take are coming come in and scrutinize what you're doing, and you're going to get visited a lot by you know undercover of every various law enforcement, including the uh, ABC, which people don't realize that uh, alcohol beverage control officers are indeed lo legal law enforcement. So, um, but you know, you say like, hey, this is going to be an all ages spot. We're selling food. 
we're selling beer and wine. There's no hard liquor. You know, we're not open till two. We're, we're open till, you know, 10, 11 at the latest, you know, when we, we, we kill the light, loud, loud stuff. Um, and, um, you know, it's just, it's just, it's, we, we, we present ourselves in a different way. You know, even, even our liquor licenses for, uh, an eating and drinking establishment. And it's the only, um, beverage permit that the state gives out that the city doesn't also require a conditional use permit on. So there are more restrictions on what we can do, but our, the core of our business is presenting the music, you know, which is why, you know, everything has a ticket. Whereas, you know, in some other places it might be free um, because we don't have the revenue stream from food and beverage that other places do because we lack a full bar and we lack a full kitchen. It's more of a snack bar with beer. We serve just enough food to be able to qualify for the, for the 47 um, for, the, for the liquor license. But everything else is like, you know, the, the biggest challenge uh, when we started way back when we were, on, were downtown and I was doing, you know, I was letting my kids play and they were in high school and I expected that we would be an all ages venue in a comic book store and a lot of kids would come out. And that was not the case when we started putting on shows. It was adults. It was people coming out. It was people coming out with their kids. It was coming out, people coming out. Uh, I, I noticed that we had a, a lot of, you know, women and girls that were there older, you know, not like super old, but, you know, not in high school either. And, you know, if you're a good businessman, you start talking to your customers and saying like, well, what brought you here tonight? And this is like, I know the band and they, they play it, you know, they play all over the place, but this is the one place because at, at the old place, we didn't even sell beer or wine. It was like, there aren't going to be any drunks here. I'm not going to get hassled. I can listen to the band you know, uh, and I can go into the comic shop if somebody's like giving me a hard time. And, and, um, you know, we had, we had acquired a reputation for having a low tolerance for, for nonsense. So, um, so yeah, you know, it's just like people felt safe coming there and, and, and they felt they, there was a, it was because it's a family place. Um, we give off that family vibe and, and, and hopefully that kind of transferred over to the people who came to watch shows. You know, it's like, nobody's like, again, there's plenty of places to go and drink a lot of liquor and not care about the music. But you know, our place is just a little different. And, uh, but I was not, I was not prepared for that. I, I really thought we were going to be, I mean, we were, we started going when, um, nickel city was like sort of one of the big spots in town for all ages music. And I thought it was going to be like that. And it really wasn't, you know, cause the kids, you know, want to sneak in booze and smoke weed inside the venue, and we we wouldn't put up with that either. I I drink booze and smoke the weed in the venue, so but that's not allowed by by any other standard. You know, you'd mentioned Nickel City. Yeah, um, I, I need to I need to ask you something real quick because yeah. I will I will not. It is very important. Um, is this is this show F word approved? Because at some point, depends I on the F word. But I, you don't strike me as the kind of guy who would use the wrong F word. So I use them all. But you oh, can, oh, I know what you're talking about. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that F word. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you can swear on my show. Yeah. What are the okay? This show's swear swear on our, show. Unlike your venue, our show is f- for adults. It's for adults. Okay. I mean, your venue's <laughs> for adults too, but people, you know, 
there's like a little thing like on our channel that says that, you know, this is for adults, this is 18 and over content, not like 18 and over content, but this is like, you right. know, there's a lot yeah, of kids yeah, on yeah. Twitch. So, you know, that's, it's good right. of them to actually do that. Not a lot of kids, uh, <clears throat> obey it, but maybe their parents start going through the channels. Right. Well, I, I always like to ask, I, you know, I, that's, I, I should have told you, I should have told you that it's super loose and that you can swear on the show. And it's that, fine. I, I made a mistake back in my, when I was, uh, bigger in comics and I was doing a radio show, a college radio show with someone. And I just, you know, I said, fuck. And, and the guy was like, Whoa, Jesus Christ, you can't say that. You know? And I'm like, Oh, oh sorry, dude. You know, I, so now I make it a point. Is this F word approved or, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think actually that's another thing we need to add to our document. That's like, you can say swear words. You may not say slurs. Okay. Yeah. In fact, well, if you say enough slurs, slurs on my show, sure. next time I see you at the venue, you can catch me outside. Like, but, we're not a we're not a slur we're not a slur kind of place. No, no, no. I, I, certainly, uh, I can tell you, I, I, you know what? I, I honestly, so you know, one of my background as a, as a, as a human here is that I'm a, I'm a first generation American. My my parents were both immigrants, and it's weird because I'm a really old guy and I speak you know reasonably good English um, and and all that. But I'm a non-native English speaker. My parents were Italian, and uh, you know, growing up in in around here in in the uh, in the early '60s, and being Italian was you know, uh, people would call you names, and and it was like okay, I I gained a sensitivity to that, and it was like the first really offensive Italian joke I ever heard was told to me by my sixth grade teacher in class in front of people. And it's like that today would have gotten that guy not just fired, but blackballed from ever teaching again. And that was just a normal occurrence for me. I think and the kids was, call it canceled. Yeah. Well, whatever they want to call it, the guy <laughs> didn't get canceled. But it was funny because, you know, the, 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 uh, I mean, San Jose, you know, a lot of white folks around here. So uh, the only people who were kind to me were the, were the, were the kids, the people of color that were in school because we were all getting picked on for things that we really didn't have any, any control over. Right. But, and one of my best friends in, in grade school was black, but, and we're way off the subject here, but I'll just finish this story. It's like we, uh, at my 20th high school reunion, I ran into him and we were chatting and he says to me, you know, we're catching up and stuff. And, and, and he says, he goes, wow, man, your, your English is, really good. And I can't believe you're the same kid. It's like, yeah, you know, whatever you learn. Right. And he just looks at me, he goes, I'm still black. <laughs> like, oh. yeah, I, I get that. I get that. So, um, that's a good fucking story. Well, we'll go, we'll yeah. go off topic of all your stories are that good. That's for sure. They're all, you know what? My off topic is way more interesting than anything I have to say about anything. So I've been promoting myself all day for this by saying, let me bore you to, I, I think the last post on Facebook I put about this was that, uh, you know, dying of boredom, only COVID dying of COVID is, is, uh, is more painful than listening to me drone on. So, um, there's a whole rest of the show that. around here that you threw under the bus, but everybody gets a mulligan. I was talking about myself. No, no, I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm just playing with you, man. So you, before the, the comic shop that you brought up first, I have so many questions now because 
let's let's go. Okay, so you had mentioned the comic shop and that you were producing a comic book. Uh, call me I, a bad I, interviewer. I didn't go take a look. Are you still producing comic books? Yes, absolutely. Hey, I only that, that was my major living for. I mean, my publishing company started in the eighties, um, and so it is now uh, thirty. Oh crap! This is this is thirty five years for me, and I didn't even realize it. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, that was a, a major living for me. I was as an independent comics publisher, um, and we uh, I published a lot of people who. Most people you've you've never heard of, but I mean a lot of people who went on to do a lot of you know big things afterwards. I think the most uh, noteworthy would be Joan and Vasquez, who um, produced. Uh, you did a TV show for Nickelodeon called Invader Zim. Oh, I know that and, show. Yeah, everybody knows that show. I published him, and they discovered him as a result of the comics that I published. Uh, and uh, he was still working on those comics when they uh, made the deal to to do Zim. Uh, but so that's just an example. But I mean, like other examples, there's a guy named uh, Gene Luen Yang who, uh, when I met him, he he was a teacher at Bishop O'Dowd uh, in Oakland, uh, teaching computer science. And then he made his success after he was published by me. But he went on to get a genius, a MacArthur Genius Grant. And that's like somebody giving you a million dollars because you're really smart. You know, it's like, here I'm you like, go. You're I'm really like already really mad at the people at MacArthur for not doing that for me. Who, who do I write? <laughs> no, an, who do I write the dear ass faces letter to? I were like those guys would have never found him if it weren't for me. How about that? Where's my cut? <laughs> I'm waiting for my check, Gene. Thank you. By the way, just a small little smidgen would be nice. Man, that's, thanks. That's super cool. Like I didn't know that about you until you introduced yourself on the show. Like I said, I'm a bad interviewer. I don't. I don't well, no, but I also like to kind of go in fresh because, like, then I'm like more where the audience is at, right? Um, sure. <clears throat> were you nerve? Like, the, I have to assume the comic book spot that you had before the art boutique was much smaller. Is that? Yeah, I mean, we. I started. Uh, I mean, I my my first comic book store, which goes back to 1978, uh, was basically the size of a living room. You know, I actually might have been my living room. I don't know, but you know. Uh, and then my dad owned a TV store on Bascom Avenue, and I took over a little part of it and ran a comic shop there. And then I stopped because I was going to go to college. And then I started again because I was making decent money. I'm not publishing, but just selling comic books. So I, let me try this for a little bit again. And I reopened my store. And then it was uh, a few years into that. Then I just said, I wonder, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and make my own comic book. It was about the time that Ninja Turtles came out. And so I was like, well, you know, those guys, you know, whatever, are they that smart? So I did a comic book called Samurai Penguin. And uh, still stands to this day as being one of the single best-selling comics I've ever done. Of course, nobody remembers it or cares. But is um, there like? Are, I know I'm interrupting you, but is this stuff like available on the web, or can like we? Is there a is there a place somebody could go look at some of your old work? No, uh, some of it. I mean, so the the the, the thing that I that I kind of learned. Uh, or that I, I leaned to in the beginning, and I still stand by it, is that um, I felt, you know, that creators should own their own work. Um, most companies would come in and own a, a piece of it, a portion of it, or all of it, 
you know, in exchange for whatever it is that you got, uh, or like own the rights in perpetuity to that work, you know, that you did for them. And then you could go on and do other things, but they'd still own your work. But I felt like creator ownership should be just that. You should own your work. You should own it all the time. As a result of that, I actually don't have the rights to most of the stuff I've ever published uh, anymore. Only only Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, which is Joan Vasquez's work, and he's kept his catalog with me. Uh, and not because he couldn't Wait, make more money. You're not. You're not. I don't even follow comics, and I know what the fuck Johnny the Homicidal Maniac is. That that's that was like a person you were working with. Uh, that's that's the guy that created Invader Invader Zen. That's Jonah Vasquez. Wow. There you go. Look at that. I I stunned you. you, you <laughs> well, no, I just I'm just not like deep in this culture. I've known people who are into comic books and stuff like you. If you're like, I'm a different kind of nerd. I'm like an audio nerd. I'm a DJ. I'm a I yep. like Linux and like free software and you end up walking in the same circles as a lot of people who like comic books and Star Trek if you end up like in that space, sure. right? Yep. So, but what I was going to ask is when you moved into the space you're in now on race, it's a big space and it yep. seems like it seems like in addition to the space being a lot of square feet, it seems like also I have to imagine you made a significant investment when you moved in there to making the space uh what it is now. I'm just wondering, oh, yeah. like, were you were you nervous? Were you afraid? Were you worried? Uh, I was. Uh, I, I I felt reasonably confident um, that it would be worth it, and uh, I um, I really felt that we could fill a need uh, that that San Jose had for or, you know. A, reasonably high quality experience for music. Um, I may have overestimated that. I don't regret um, the money that I invested uh, in the place. It was a lot. I mean, you know, I, I put insulation in every square inch of that place, um, not just the ceiling, but the walls, uh, just to make sure that we had, um, you know, that we didn't have this really live, harsh sounding room, you know? Um, and a lot of the other investments, you know, they have come over time, but one of the, the biggest thing was, was the electricity, you know, because we got in there and there was, there basically, I mean, there was electricity coming into the building, but it wasn't spread out very evenly. It was all towards the back where there were some offices. So we had to bring electricity out to the front and, and, you know, make it the code. Uh, and all that. So that was very expensive. Um, putting in new lights, putting, you know, knocking down some walls and, you know, it was a lot of money. It was probably not worth the investment. Um, it's been eight years now, nine almost. Um, and, um, and I, 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 I can't honestly say that, like I said, I don't have any regrets, but I can't honestly say that it was worth the money that went into it. And on top of that, you know, we've continued to morph it over time. You know, if you walked in, if if the only time you'd ever walked into Art Boutique was our first show on Race Street, and you walked in today, and you knew what you were what you were looking at, you would realize that it's not even remotely the same place uh, in terms of the gear that's there, the sound that's there. Um, you know, everything you know is is uh, has gone through major improvements. Um, three years ago, we did another, I don't know, it was like 15 or $20,000 investment in the, in the sound. We got a, a 
digital PreSonus 32 channel mixer. Uh, our previous was 24, um, and it was still on analog board. Um, these Spanish speakers that we flew from a truss and, and all that, all the stuff that just comes from having uh, people around you. This is like, it would really be good if we did this. And so we just did it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just a little hard, hard because, um, you know, we've maybe put a little bit more money into the quality of the sound and, and people like you appreciate it. But I, I think some people don't always really appreciate what, what the effort was that went into it. And well, you know, anybody about- who's been gigging for a long time is going to show up there and really appreciate it. You know, yeah, you know, like, I don't know, like my experience is just plugging a left and a right into something and hoping the speakers aren't blown. But when I show up somewhere and there's a nice fucking sound system, I'm like, Oh shit, there's a nice fucking sound system here. Well, you know, it goes beyond that. I mean, you know, like I said, every, everyone that runs sound at art boutique is a, is a, is a musician, has been a musician. They know when they, when they've been on the stage, they know what they want and, and they know what that person on stage needs, you know? And the biggest thing that we get, because the, the, the guy on stage, you know, they don't know, they don't know what it sounds like to the audience. All they know is like, wow, I, I can hear myself, you know, maybe for the first time ever, I can truly hear myself. Well, I mean, Uh, ideally what you want on stage is like a mirror of the experience of the audience as yeah. close to that as you can possibly fucking get right like yeah like it's super yeah, it's, important it, it's it is important i think it's important because if the musicians can't hear themselves they can't play you know and it, and it's like some in some cases it really isn't that big of a deal you know but in other cases you bring in like you talk about when we bring in you know sort of higher end jazz, jazz guys you bring in a group say like the bad plus that we had a few years back uh or anybody and these are people that play really big venues you know and we're getting them because we're lucky um and uh they get up there and you know you go like a three band rock show we're basically putting maybe 10 minutes into each band sound check because we got to get them on stage and get them off but a band like the bad plus that comes in you know, or anybody that's that's going to be on the stage and it's the only act. Their sound check. I mean, you, you they'll be written as a writer, ninety minute sound check. You know, it's like we'll get through it quicker because our guys know what they're doing. You know, and the guys on stage aren't constantly asking for please change this and please change that or yeah, how do we do this. It's like everybody knows. Everybody knows how our stuff works. Everybody knows how to put the best sound quality back up onto that stage. So that when when musicians are playing, they don't have to worry about hearing themselves. They can play and they know what they sound like and they know what that sound that's going out through the mains is going to be good. Well, fuck, yeah, I'm like, I'm like real glad I'm like real glad you're doing it over there. And I'm glad that like the attention to detail has been played or paid. What I want to do right here, if it's okay with you, I'd like to get myself another drink, go to the bathroom. Uh, we're going to rock a jam while we do that. You, uh, if you need to take a break too, and then we'll come back and talk about, uh, what it's been like owning and running a venue under COVID. All right. Sure. It sounds great. I'm, I'm almost out of rum. So yeah, I'll go get myself another drink and I'll come right back. I have expert. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll have a, we'll have a little bit of time. Um, I think I'm going to play a Sakura track. She was, uh, she did a, a performance at your, uh, at your venue before she took off and, and left for Austin. 
she she did she well it's it's funny because Sakura yeah she played a she played a live stream uh, or online concerts as we prefer to say uh, she played one of our online shows uh, before she left for Austin but then she ironically was one of the last uh, live shows with an audience she played that week right before uh, shutdown um, came came around and people were just like. You know, COVID wasn't really even a word. It was all coronavirus. You know, I was like, whatever. Um, and it's, it was all in China. It was a Chinese thing. You know, it was not coming here. So a week later, it was here. So, uh, but yeah, she, she, so she, a double edged sword there, both a, a online show and a live show uh, that were significant for us. Fantastic. This is the first song we ever got from her and the first original we ever heard from her way back when we heard her play a sofa. This is Imagination by Sakura, and we'll be back in a couple minutes with uh, fresh drinks and maybe uh, fresh brains. All right.
Imagination by Sakura, and we're back. We're here with that Dan from Art Boutique. How's it going? What'd you get to drink? What's your uh, drink? Oh, t- tonight I'm having this. Uh, it's a Morgan Territory Brewery Solo Rider. It's a Red Ale. Oh, well, hold on. Which which camera? Oh, you're on that camera. It's it's kind of red and dark in here. You can't really see. It's pretty good. Yeah. You get this whole uh, Johnny Fever vibe going on there. Actually, that would be Venus Flytrap, actually, from WKRP, did on the old TV show at the radio station. Venus Flytrap did his show, was, and the room was bathed in red. We did it because like, it's like the red light, like the red light district. We felt we felt a little sexy. Oh, because we can't. I haven't sworn yet, so I would say, fucking cool. That's good. That's good. There you have it. So... I wanted to kind of get into what it's like trying to run a venue when no one can come to the venue. Well, uh, I mean, we're not, we're not really running a venue, I guess. I don't know what we're doing. Um, it was, it was, it was weird. It's weird. It's beyond weird. It's, it's painful. Um, and we were just talking about all the money that was invested in the place. Right. And, to make the onstage and, and the in-house experience uh, stellar. And I get to walk in every day for now over a year and look up and see none of it being used as it was intended to be used. Um, but I mean, I, I always try to remain, you know, it's like, okay, you know, things that in my, my life has always been an evolution of something or, you know, evolved from something else. It's like, you know, the whole comic book thing. Um, you know, my publishing comics, my reading comics, it stems from the fact that if it weren't for comic books, I wouldn't be able to read. Because uh, when I was a very small child, and you know, I was failing because I had two immigrant parents who barely spoke English themselves, and they can't help me. And so my teacher in first grade says, just give him anything. He'll read anything. So it was all peanuts books and comic books. And it got me reading, uh, at a, at a level beyond, you know, when I was in second grade or in third grade, I was reading at a sixth grade level. So just because of comics. So all everything is in the evolution of that. And so we, we tried for a while to do the whole take out food and because the ABC loosened up their laws and you could sell beer to go and stuff like that. But and, and, and people at first were very, very generous in buying that stuff, but that tailed off pretty quickly because let's face it, you're not coming to our boutique for the food. And, you know, $6 for tater tots, $8 for beer, it's just not going to fly. But I, I knew from once we were kind of a month into the whole thing that I wanted to start uh, a streaming show. And that I wanted the venue to exist uh, in the virtual world for however long it took because, uh, A, I wanted to keep our name out in front of people. I wanted to give musicians a feeling of hope that there was, that they had a place to play, even if there wasn't necessarily much money in it. Um, I wanted to give people who were our supporters uh, you know, just a reminder that, hey, you know, we're still doing this. We're this is the whole point of doing this music thing was to 
present this music to people and we're still accomplishing our mission. Um, and you know, it took, took us, took us a while because, uh, much in that, you know, sort of same vein where we kind of felt like in designing the sound that we had to provide great sound. And I knew we could provide great sound over the internet, but I wanted, I wanted the visuals to match. And so I pointed at everybody, uh, in the room, <laughs> all the folks at work, uh, on, on the sound part. This is like, you're all going to become experts. We're all going to become experts at this. Um, and it took us a while because we didn't want to just go out there. We didn't want to be one of those places that was rolling up stuff on their iPhones and saying like, look at our live stream. We wanted it to be an actual program that looked good, sounded good, uh, and, and made the venue look good. It made the artists look good. You know, it made it something that people like, why would you come here and then split your money with us when you could just do it from your couch and, and keep it all. You know, maybe because you have some sense of loyalty to Art Boutique, and that's great, too. A few people did that, especially early on, because they had no idea. But now it's like, you know, we've gotten pretty good at this. And um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be immodest. We've gotten very good at it. Um, and, and, and that very good thing and that immodest thing comes from the fact that if you were to walk, you, you, if you watch it, you just like, oh, this is a high quality presentation. And if you walk in and you look at the Frankenstein's monster that we've created to do these things, because we don't have a professional video setup, we have just one that we've cobbled together from borrowed parts and and uh, and stuff we find on the internet uh, that says like, oh, you need this. It's like, well, we need this, and now we're going to do that, and you know. Now we've we learned how to use it and how to make it look good. And you know, one of my favorite stories about the quality of the sound at Art Boutique was uh, when I was really disappointed with the way a promoter was handling sound uh, at our place uh, because they used to run their own sound and bring their own people. And I turned to my son Dustin, who is uh, basically both my right and left arm, and he's someone who doesn't get uh, enough credit for Art Boutique being what it is, but he's like a kid. He's barely out of high school at that point. And I say to him, you're the sound guy. Go learn sound. And he did. And he does it very well. And everyone follows in his example. And so I turned to him and said, you're the video guy. Make it work. Here's the tools. Figure it out. And he did. And, it's, and he's really good. He's really good at what he does. I'm curious. Um, are you guys using OBS? We are using OBS. We actually looked at all kinds of alternatives to OBS and realized that, wow, well, OBS is, is sort of, um, you know, ubiquitous for a reason. It actually does what it's supposed to do when you have the horsepower to run it. You know, it's right. like I think a lot of people's frustrations with OBS stems from the fact that they're pulling out old laptops and trying to run it on there, which is, I'm going to admit right up is the first thing I did. Um, <laughs> oh, us too. It's like, I got I got a couple of I got an old laptop. I don't even use this anymore. <laughs> Ironically, it's the one I'm on right now. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, there were a lot of things that that uh, that we. Um, that we discovered along the way and, and, uh, you know, made 
at least those proper investments uh, in uh, in in the in the in the gear. So it turns out when you've got a bunch of scenes that it's all like trying to create in real time, you need a really fast computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're we're uh, we go. Our thing is a is a five. I think some we did we did one with six, but I think we're really comfortable with five cameras because when we have actually people on each camera, it's not just that we set them up. Um, we have tripods uh, with wheels on them, and they we will move them around. And the guys, all the people like Dustin, who's the director, or whoever's directing, because uh, one other uh, one of other sound guys has also directed in the past. We'll sit there on his he's he'll be on a headset. On a, on a radio and he'll go, Hey, you know, move camera one, line up, line up the drummer. Cause the solo is coming up, um, you know, whatever. And we will pull, we'll put one camera on stage. So often we use it, we call it the drum cam, but sometimes we put it behind a piano player. If we have a, someone who's playing piano so we can get that angle of them, that other angle. And so it's really a cool experience to watch one of these things because in a lot of ways, and I tell people, I go, this is actually better in a lot of ways than the experience that you would be getting if you were sitting in the back row of the Arpatiki or even the middle of the room or wherever because the sound is being mixed and it's going straight into your ears if you got a headset on or coming out your your speakers uh, in that pristine way that is just being mixed right for you. And the video, we're showing you stuff that you probably couldn't even see, you know? like with the drum cam or we're putting you up close. And so you can see a guy's fingers as he's finger picking his guitar or, or on a bass solo and see how quickly his hands moving up and down the fretboard. And, and uh, you know, we're really getting a good look at the singer and the, and the effort that they're putting into what they're doing. So I'm, I'm really proud of those guys. They're they're I mean, I would love to sit here and take credit for it. And I, I will to a certain extent, but, but really it's not about me. I, I always, I always tell all those guys, it's like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty much irrelevant to the whole process once the show goes, you know. And then somebody sends like a panicked email about not being able to get into the stream and I have to deal with them. And then these guys laugh and like, you got the worst job. You have to deal with the customers. So, you know. Whatever. Oh, I have, I, in, my, in my Twitch chat, we have mods that just kick out the angry customers. That's how we, that's how we roll here. Yeah, our, our biggest thing is just that um, you know, people over the course of the pandemic have just become accustomed to stuff. Oh, where do I look for it on YouTube mm-hmm. or where do I look for it on Facebook? It's like, no, it's not there. It's on its own thing. You know, you have to go there and you're not going to see cat memes while we're having our show because it's, you're going to be there. And then it's, it's cool because even though we don't get the numbers that maybe you get on Facebook or YouTube, it's like on Facebook, you know, anything over three or four seconds is counted as a view. You know, whereas that to me, that means somebody paused long enough to not want to watch. Right. Right. Um, But but for us, you know, on a 90 minute show, um, the average watch time is like 20 minutes. And that's that sounds short. But there are a lot of times where people who are have using sort of poor Internet connections are trying to pull the stuff in wirelessly, uh, they may have to refresh their browser and that'll, that might count as a new view in some cases. So we don't have like professional analytics on this, on this thing yet. So I can't really tell, 
you know how many times i just know that sometimes we'll have way more views than we had tickets registered so oh yeah that's uh, definitely reconnects if the system's counting them that way yeah <clears throat> so yeah that's funny you should mention like having to explain to people that it's not on YouTube and Facebook. We've been trying to drag people kicking and screaming off of fucking Facebook since like 2017. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, uh, it, What's even funny about that is that the people who, who complain the most about these things not being on Facebook or YouTube are the ones who complain the most about Facebook and YouTube. It's like, you're just complaining. You're just a complaining big bunch of whiners. Just shut up and just follow the link. How hard is that? Yeah. Follow the link, log into your account, watch the show. How hard is that? Right, right. Like, we were trying to multicast to a bunch of stuff for a while, and then we realized that, like, until we, like, gained an audience somewhere, that was a stupid idea. Because now you're going to uh, get two people over here, three people over here, six people over here, and they're not all chatting right. with each other or whatever. They're not all in the in the same place. But then, like, getting people to just go to like a well-established streaming site. Twitch has been like, so it's like been pulling teeth, not like, like our growth has been good over here, but trying to get like, I'm just going to say it. The San Jose music scene off of Facebook has just been so hard. Yeah. Well, I think that it's, we could, we could, we could go on endlessly about that. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, people was like, Oh, I want to put this on Facebook. I, you know, but like I said, they complain about Facebook, people uh, i don't even want to get into it but well no i mean i i want to be where the fans are right but the the flip side of that is like we have this whole other thing that we built over here so we're just going to be where they are actually because they're going to show up for our stream you know no matter what we do right right well for me it's it's like a case of with with what we've set up uh we're we're on a with a ticketing company called passage who has been an amazing partner to us and if anybody's considering doing any kind of live streaming or or you know live streaming or they're a ticketing company so they could do your your ticketing as well as live streaming and and um the whole bit they've really worked hard during at the start of uh covid to develop a system that was accessible and relatively easy to uh, to to work with um great people i i highly highly recommend them if you're thinking of doing a live streamed event even if you're just going to do one just hook up with these guys they're really good but end of end of commercial oh, now, no, that's, it's, that's funny though because me and the media wench my usual co-host for this she's got her girls this week she's fucking her girls are like too cute i wouldn't stream instead of hanging out with her girls either but we talked <laughs> about that at like the very beginning she had actually asked me, she's like, what if we could set this up for people and like make a little money doing it or whatever? And I was like, I thought like the whole thing was going to be gone in three months. And yep. so we didn't do it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it is that like, again, why, why it's on passage, why isn't it on Facebook? Why does it matter to us is with passage? We have an ability. First of all, if I wanted to sell tickets to a show, I could Sakura's farewell show was a ticketed event. We were charging the same amount that we would have charged for her for her live show and we still got a hundred people out for it so which was maybe less than we would have gotten but you know for her if uh, we would have sold out our boutique for a farewell show for we would have packed everybody oh my god i love i love her everybody loves her yeah Oh, we, I, we would, I would not even tell you how many people I've stuck into Art boutique just because I won't turn people away as long as there's an inch to stand in. But, um, but that's, that's, not, that's not the point. The point is, is that there's no way of knowing how many people bought a ticket and then four or five people watching. So we don't, we don't know what, 
what the attendance was. But we have we have monetization tools. I have the ability to collect donations on the spot while people are watching the show, um, without having to leave the show. You know, which is right. instead of going to a separate link, I can sell you merch while you're watching the show because there's a virtual merch table in the thing, and people can talk about it, point at it, say push that button and buy a t-shirt or buy a CD or, or buy whatever stuff that we can't do on. You can't really do on Facebook and, or YouTube. Certainly you know? not. Uh, uh, Twitch is pretty good about all that stuff. That would have, if you wouldn't have gone private, I think you guys would have ended up on Twitch because you could have set yeah. things up for subs only. So only sub, some people subscribe to your channel can watch. You could figure mm -hmm. you could, if you would have ended up here, but it sounds like what you ended up doing worked out really well for you. What I want to ask, I, I, like before we get kind of to the to the end of the the the, the cutout interview part here, um, sure. Is streaming the shows going to be something you're going to be doing going forward, like for all of your shows, for some of your shows, or do you think you'll end up abandoning it because it's a, a pretty big responsibility on top of all the other things that go with the venue? We will not abandon it. That is for sure. I mean, if y'all need help, I'm cheap, and I, I you can pay me in beer. Okay, <laughs> that <laughs> check your email later. Uh, no, <laughs> um, no, definitely we're not abandoning streaming. We put too much work into it. We put too much money into it. And to be honest with you, uh, and and this may disappoint a lot of people if they hear it on a personal level. I actually like it better. Then, then uh, I don't like it better than actually having people in the place. Obviously, we want people in the place, but uh, it is not. I, I I think about it. You know, they think about the nights where we've had three or four or sometimes even five bands, and how exhausting that is. And uh, you know, in a night, and just just keep switching people out, and things go wrong, or you know, whatever. I've had to like. You know, we don't we don't sell hard liquor at our boutique, but there is a business right across the street from us that does. And <laughs> and people will go over there and get liquored up and then come back to our place. And then I have to deal with them because it's like, no, you can't be in here when you're that drunk. I'm sorry. And I don't miss dealing with that. I don't miss dealing with backed up toilets. I mean, that just happens. But, you know, I don't miss dealing with unruly people and I, and I don't miss certain aspects of running the live show. I, I do like it when people are there. I do like it when people are buying beer. I do like it when people are having a good time because in essence, entertaining people and providing people with platform to, 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 to do their art from, you know, that's very gratifying. It's very satisfying to me. What we've managed to do with, with live streaming is to really curate it. You know, like I was mentioning before, we can take 30 minutes and do a sound check and then not have to set up a drum kit and it doesn't have to move, you know, ever during the night or we've got everybody dialed in and they go up there and they're performing and, and it's, and it's, and they're, and they're producing something special. You know, I, I feel at least. Um, so I, I think that what we're going to continue to do, I, I haven't really sat down and thought about it. Uh, I, I probably should have. I, I kind of I kind of saw this, you know, COVID thing kind of 
dragging out further than it looks like it's going to to drag out. Uh, fingers but crossed. I, yeah, but but there's a I mean there's a lot of talk about oh April fifteenth and you can have indoor events again, but if you drill down into it, it's like you know we're it's you know it, it basically the county gets to decide, and we in Santa Clara County we're living in one of the most restrictive counties in the country. It's the first county that that put out a shelter in place. It's a county that is very very uh, fine happy. They have issued, I think in their article I was reading, almost $5 million worth of fines to businesses since the start of COVID. And, you know, I mean, I, I know for a fact, having been talked to by the folks from the county that come around to look at what we're doing, that if you're getting fined, that means you've made a bunch of mistakes and you haven't fixed them, you know? So it's not like I have that much sympathy, but... Or the mistake was egregious, right? The thing they they saw when they walked in was like, egregious like an egregious mistake. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, they, if, they, if somebody walked in uh and like you know we have a live stream schedule and i had people packed in their shoulder to shoulder and nobody was wearing a mask yeah you just like that's good the, you, the thing about it is like there to me there's no there's no profit in doing that because you get caught doing that and you could lose your business license you could lose your liquor license you could lose your environmental health permits you could lose everything for what i mean i get it I get it because I'm losing money right and left, right? Just, oh, don't worry. You're it, just gonna, you're gonna make you're gonna make you're in the big time now. You've been on uh, local love. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> to the point. <laughs> it's, I've been waiting my whole life for this. <laughs> um, no, so, but 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 the point is, is that this is this is a, a county that is not going to just let things snap back to normal at the drop of a hat you know and it's like i mean i i know i've talked to other venue operators and i've talked to bookers who have worked with other venue operators around the country and 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 like even a, a place like new orleans where live live music is the thing that makes them work there they are small clubs are dealing with capacity limits that some venue owners there should say not worth it not worth it it was like my business was not built to make money at 25 or 40 percent capacity and it's not like i've never had a crappily evented attended event at our boutique everybody has shitty shows everybody does but you don't plan on that it just happens it's like whoa 10 people came out tonight we you guys suck you know, or something, or I suck. I, I have no idea. Or the Super Bowl was on, or or what have you. Um, you know, I mean, that shit happens. So you know, but as a as a matter of course, as a matter of going forward, if the thing is, it's like, oh, I'm not going to move all that live stream out of stuff out of the way because if you were to walk into our boutique today, you would see it would be almost impossible for us to have any meaningful audience in that spot. I'm not moving that out of the way for 20 people in the audience. Right. That doesn't make any sense. You know, and, and so, when you can, when you can open up for real, there's a financial incentive to properly wire everything and get everything set up because it's time to go, you know? Right. And we'll have a little bit of time. Honestly, I'm not, I'm not, I'm one of those kind of, negative Nancy's. I don't feel we're anywhere close to out of the woods on this thing yet. And, and, uh, one of the things that where I, I, I take, I take kind of a pragmatic view and, and I think a lot of people don't really get, um, 
but one of the things that uh, that the reason that the bar and the indoor music thing is is being looked at in the way it it is is that early on in the pandemic in in the state of New York, um, the CDC basically pointed to three clubs that had shows, club shows, right? And they were super spreader events. This is, of course, before anybody knew what was going on. And it's like, but he was like, we could go, we could contact trace back to those clubs and say one guy, it's like the stand, one guy coughing in the back of the theater infected everybody. And then it spread like wildfire fire through a town where everybody's packed on top of everybody. And so that's, that's a different complication. But, but even just recently, it's February, a few, a couple of months ago, um, there was a bar opening. I think it was in Illinois. Uh, where they had, uh, I can't remember what the total attendance was, but um, I, I don't even know if it was in Illinois, so I, I don't quote me on that. But there was a bar opening, and it was somewhere in the Midwest, um, and it was a grand opening, and they had a bunch of people in there, and they were not really uh, uh, socially distant, and some people refused to wear masks, and so it became a, a spreader event of its own that was directly tied to the closure of a school with 600 people, right? So this thing is still very much with us. You know, we got people who don't want to get vaccinated. Um, we've got people who don't want to wear masks. I don't uh, want to. Do a whole, we do the whole other rest of our content about those people. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's just sort of like, you know, one of the things I read about the thing, like, again, everyone's talking about, oh, April 15th, you can do indoor events. It's like, well, one of the things about the indoor events is that you can go to 50% capacity if everyone has a negative COVID test or has been vaccinated. Who's going to do that? Who's going to be the one at the door to show me your negative COVID test? I'm not going to do that. The place is too small. You know, it's like for what? So I could put 40 people in there and lose that much money. And then what? It doesn't make any sense. So going back to your original question, live streaming is going to be a thing for us for a while. Uh, one of the things that we were kind of, I was kind I was kind of tossing around and nobody else is really in the, in the, in the, in the art boutique, he's really had an opportunity to chime in on what they think. But one of the things that I would like to do, uh, is to kind of go into a supper club type of thing where we're going to have one band play, one band, not three, not four, not five, you know, but one. One band is going to play, and you can come in and be like at the Kumba in Santa Cruz where they have one band play. They might do two shows in the night or whatever, but people come in, and we're going to have a dinner service. If you want to eat, fine. Otherwise, show up when the door is open, um, and then – uh, that's the way we'll, we'll do things and it might be more expensive, but you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have an answer, you know, uh, going forward other than to know that we put too much money and too much time and put out too good of a product to step away from, from the, from the online, uh, thing. Yeah, I am. Um, my, like my, like best case scenario hope for myself in all this is that July or August bike party happens in some way and I get to go out there with a fucking mask on and play at that fucking monopoly board on discovery meadow. Like yeah. just rock the renegade urban dance floor. And that's like the, that's like the, the best case scenario. I don't, I don't see like indoor packed venues till like the first of the 2022. 
Well, yeah, and actually, I, I just got a I got an email the other day from a from a booking company that I work with on the regular, and that that's a very I, I would say has sent us a fair amount of of decent uh, sized jazz shows, um, and they book a lot of people who you know. Are, are known in that world. And, and the guys, he says like, well, what's your prospect for surviving? Because I have a lot of stuff that I w we'd like to be able to send you. And I was like, dude, where have you been for a year? You know, that's, that was my first thought, but I didn't say that to him. And I just kind of like, well, this is what we're looking at. And so, um, he just emailed me back here a couple hours uh, before this started. I saw his email. It was very kind. He was like, even even professional bookers are not looking at any time in 2021 to send people out on tour because going into a limited capacity situation doesn't make any sense to them, right? I mean, I even told him, I go like, hey, I'd be happy to consider anything you sent to me, but if anything involves a guarantee, you're not going to get it. You're just not going to get it. And it's like, I, I hate this to say from this point going forward, everybody's a ticket split because some people, they need a guarantee. And, and I get that we, we do on occasion pay guarantees to, to performers when I know what the outcome will be or can predict what the outcome will be. It's just like, you know, we get a, 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 a band through that's capable of selling out, you know, 150 seats at $40 a ticket. I can easily guarantee them two grand you know and it sounds like a lot but it really isn't you know um but so yeah i mean no one no one is thinking about you know anything for 2021 i think it's still out the window so we're, we're going to be we're going to be streaming for as long as we can stay there because ultimately my bigger concern about you know people declaring the game over the pandemic's done COVID's over. Everything is going back to normal. Do you know what going back to normal means? I'm going to have to fork out a lot of money that I owe my landlord. <laughs> nope. I'm going to fork out a lot of money that I owe PG&E, you know, and that will, the end of the pandemic is a bigger threat to me as a business person than the start of it was. Right. The going back to normal, no one's thought about the parachute. No one's thought about the crash landing, you know. And and it's like you you could see you could see an upheaval in the service in, in the service part of the of the world. Restaurants, bars, venues, clubs, small ones, mom and pop places. And there's this 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 grant that's out there, the Shuttered Venue Operators Grant. $15 billion that was that was earmarked by the federal government to go to, to shuttered venues, right? And if, when I first heard about it and people were talking about it because it was all part of the Save Our Stages thing, uh, the National Independent uh, uh, Venue Association, NEVA, was a huge thing of this thing. As they started legislating this thing through, through Congress and stuff like that, they started expanding upon, and that's one of the reasons why the money got so big because it's like it's not just about venues it's not just about you know community theater it's not just about that kind of thing now we're talking about zoos we're talking about movie theaters we're talking about producers you know like all this this whole thing has gotten huge because now it's like when they when they say that the cap the cap that you can get is 10 million dollars that's a lot of money right 
no small venue is going to fucking be asking for $10 million, right? No one's going to get $10 million. But they have made this thing, and I sat in on a webinar on this on this grant process, and I'm hoping to God that it changes because I think a lot of mom-and-pop places are just going to say, fuck this noise and fuck the government, and we don't need this shit because – and notice now I'm swearing um, – but You're in the right venue. Because, this is this is this is this is the shit we like here. Yeah, the, the so left, the, the angry leftists in my chat are starting to fucking mill about. They're they're starting to hear this yeah. shit. <laughs> you know what? You know, I, I was trying to get into the chat here on my phone, and I'm just whatever. I I'm old. I'm old. So, uh, but at any rate, going back to the thing that was getting me swearing is just like they've made. They are making this thing so difficult to navigate. No venue of my size has that clean a set of books. Nobody does, you know? And it's not even like I'm saying, oh, we cheat. We're not saying that we cheat. It's just that, you know what? Half these guys are just doing their books on fucking QuickBooks and entering in just stuff into random categories because they don't really understand them. And it's like, if you can't prove that you've got a viable business, they don't want to give you any money. And I get that. And to me, I mean, I understand that to a certain extent because they don't want to just toss money out to everybody. But to me, it should have just been, were you in business? How long have you been in business? If we give you a grant for this, how are you going to spend the money and then show us the receipts? That's all that needs to be done. That's all that needs to be done, in my opinion. Even worse is that even that, to me, is obscene. When you consider the fact that at the outfit, outset of the pandemic, in the first stimulus packages that were passed, there were billions of dollars that were set aside for banks and airlines and other big companies that were given out with almost zero oversight. Isn't that weird that they give money to the bank like you don't need your bank anymore during a pandemic? That's such a weird yeah, place to put the money. Like, like, yeah. like I, I, the, the yeah. bank is not suffering during the pandemic. You fucking are still doing business with your bank. It's how you buy things on fucking Instacart. Right. Exactly. You know, <laughs> whatever. A weird thing. I mean, uh, the airlines I get. Yeah, you can understand you know, that. Yeah, the airlines I get. It's like those guys, you know, I mean... I'm not, not that I'm going to have a shit ton of sympathy for United Airlines or anyone like that. You know, oh, we were going to cry, have a cry in for the the plight of United Airlines a little bit later. For You're UAL, here sure. for that? Yeah. <laughs> I missed that. I didn't get the memo on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean the airlines, I get, but the banks. Are you kidding me? Well, the 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 what happens here is like, and it's. Often it's like a story that we can bring back to San Jose a little bit too. Like entertainment gets the short end of the stick when people are starting to give money out, right? Like when people are starting to give grants out, trying to help business businesses and innovation. Like entertainment tends to get the short end of the stick in all this. Very much so, and and, and it's it's actually kind of interesting because um, in a lot of ways San Jose is actually way ahead of other places in terms of their attitudes towards the arts. Um, when I, a few years ago, I got a, there, there are a lot of grants that are there that are, uh, that are available through, um, and I'm spacing on, on the, on the city's, uh, uh, arm for doing that, but they have art. They have, they actually, it's one of the few cities that actually has a grant, uh, process for, uh, for, for businesses other than nonprofits, 
because they'll dole out money to nonprofits all day long. It's like, oh, you're a nonprofit. And they're like, why? Why are they better than me? They're not better than me, but whatever. Uh, we got an eight thousand dollar grant once to put on a comic book convention in downtown. So uh, from the city of San Jose, it was a grant with without with zero, almost zero oversight. Just all I had to show was like, what was your overall budget for the event? Oh, and that's eight thousand dollars went for that, and that's that's that was the end of it. You know, <laughs> did you throw um, a comic book convention? Yeah, I uh, called the Alternative Press Expo. It actually, is one that I threw years ago that that I took back from Comic Con, or they gave back because they just didn't want it anymore. Um, but yeah, and I put it on, and it was in downtown. And probably I should have put it in a, on in a high school gym would have been better. Um, it, but I just had this whole idea of building out this comics and music festival, and um, it, it, I I was. I was overmatched. My ideas were bigger than my, my ability to handle them. Um, I've been there. The other other thing that's really interesting about the city of San Jose is that actually they have almost zero, uh, you know, permitting process for live music in terms of a business holding live music. Now, the things that they're looking at is like, are you selling liquor? Are you open till past midnight? And those things, those are the things that trigger them. And, 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 you know, they want to make, sure that you're running a, a decent business but it's like when we moved when i moved from downtown to ray street and i went to the planning department and i said tell me before i even signed the lease i go you're gonna have to tell me what what the permitting process is for me to have live music and she's like you know are you gonna be able to pass me she asked me basically four questions are you gonna be open past midnight no uh, is your capacity over 200 mm, no and you know, I was not lying. <laughs> it's not that we haven't had more than two hundred people in there, but that's official capacity of that place is actually pretty small. Uh, and you know, you get to serve food. What's your liquor license size? Is like, yeah, you know, you're small potatoes. You know, we just doesn't really. You know, we want we want the bands in the corner. We want places to have live. We want the place to be vibrant because at the time, eight years ago, you had. Uh, Twitter picking up stakes and moving to San Francisco instead of coming to San Jose. You had this tremendous drain of tech companies that were leaving the area. And one of the reasons they were leaving, huh? Selma in San San Francisco, the South Market. Right. And one of the reasons they're leaving is because the employees say, we want to go somewhere where there's something to do. If I'm going to live here, you know, I, I want to be able to go out at night. I want to go see a band. I want to go, I want to have, you know, they want coffee shops. They want museums. They want art galleries. They want this and they want that. You know, it's like now everybody's staying the fuck home. And it's like suddenly all these people that wanted to go out every night never want to leave the house. So, you know, that's a whole different thing. So, Dan, I want to, I'm not, I don't, I'm not even thinking about getting rid of you, but I want to fucking play another tune and invite the rest of the panel on to talk to you, ask you some questions if that's okay. I think we'll get Juan Maserati from the Rebels camp and John Renna probably up in here, maybe even the media wench. Okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. So I, I know Periscope is playing at your at your spot in a couple in a week, like next week, because I know there are our guests next week. Not next week. I think they're playing the week after. Oh. Um hang on a second. I could look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the date on that? We could promote that show for our friends. Let me let me find out. <laughs> and I will uh and I will, um, hang on a second. I'm glad I had this here. Uh, 
24th of the Art Boutique. This song's, gonna, this song's called Control Image, and we'll be right back. Okay. Speed 